social media lately with a lot of the news stories, and you know what they are, and if you don't, then don't know why you're here. Um, but the real discussion goes far beyond what plumbing a person has. It goes deeper than what gender a person thinks they are. The real discussion even goes deeper than some of the long-standing ideas that society has had and used as measurement as to what makes a man. When does a boy become a man? Is it when he first shaves? And I don't mean that toothbrush stuff. I mean real toothbrush stuff. Is it when he gets his first job? When he gets his driver's license? When he gets married? Is it before he's married? Is it when he's old enough to drink or go? We're in the middle of it. As always, when you really want to understand something, you turn to the owner's manual to find out what the owner, the inventor, had intended as a function. So today we're going to do that. We're going to look at the owner's manual right here. God invented man. He created man. He designed man from the very ground up. So if anybody's going to know what a man should be, is going to be God. We're going to first look at... Hello? We're going to first look at the, the first chapter of Joshua. And, and in this is, is one of those great man-up speeches that, that God has given. And, and fortunately for us, this one is recorded for us to read. And it begins to give us some insight as to what God considers a man to be. So this is from Joshua chapter 1. After the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, the Lord said to Joshua, son of Nun, Moses' aide, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now then, you and all these people get ready to cross the Jordan River into the land I am about to give them, to the Israelites. I will give you every place where you set your foot, as I promised Moses. Your territory will extend from the desert to Lebanon, from the great river Euphrates to all the Hittite country, to the Mediterranean Sea in the west. No one will be able to stand against you all the days of your life. As it was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will never leave you nor forsake you. Be strong and courageous because you will lead these people to inherit the land I swore to their ancestors to give them. Be strong and very courageous. Be careful to obey all the law my servant Moses gave you. Do not turn from it to the right or to the left, that you may succeed wherever you go. Keep this book of the law always on your lips. Meditate on it day and night, so that you may be careful to do everything written in it. Then you will be prosperous and successful. Have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Don't be afraid. Do not be dismayed. For the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. So Joshua ordered the officers of the people to go throughout the camp and tell everyone, get your provisions ready. Three days from now, you will cross the Jordan here to go into and take possession of the land that the Lord your God is giving you for your journey. 
this point in his life, Joshua was not very young. I would estimate his age to be somewhere between 55 and 55. Joshua was a slave in Egypt. He witnessed the plagues. He crossed the Red Sea. He wandered with them for 40 years in the desert. We first learn about him when they send the 12 spies in to check out the promised land. And it was Joshua and his friend Caleb who came back and said, God's with us, we can do this. And it was the others who came back with the terror and the fear. Far from the one, far from the other. Joshua worked alongside Moses as a slave. Learning how to lead, learning his ways, learning to lead. Joshua had lived the life of a man. But in this calling, in this chapter, he's being called out to something new, to something special, to something different. From this, we get our first point, perhaps one of the first points. Being a man has a purpose. We are to lead with courage and strength. Being a man is far more than a random pairing of an X and Y chromosome. From the very point of creation, God has had a plan and a purpose for man. In fact, his first man of speech is is briefly highlighted in a single verse in in Genesis 2.15. It says, Then the Lord God took the man and put him in the garden of Eden to tend it and keep it. He created Adam and immediately put him in charge. God gave Adam the job to do right from the beginning, long before Eve ever showed up. The Hebrew word that translates into and keep it also translates to protect, to guard, to look after. It's a word that implies keeping it secure. And this leads to a very interesting question. When we're talking about the perfect man in the perfect environment, created by the perfect God with no sin, no death, no threat, created to have a purpose. So what we can we infer that that purpose of man is from these two examples? It's simple, and I don't think this is a great surprise to anyone. Men were created for leadership, to protect, to provide guidance, to be a father figure, which ultimately is to be a representative of God. Both Joshua and Adam knew God. Adam and God walked together in the garden daily. Joshua worked very closely with Moses, who himself had spent countless hours with God. And I'm not sure if it's recorded that that Joshua was in any of those meetings, but if you're going to work with a guy who's meeting with God, you're definitely going to know him. You're going to absorb a lot of what he's saying to you. So we can see that being a man means in part to be a leader. Being a leader means leading those who we are responsible for to God. So guys, question. How well do you know God? How closely do you walk with him? Can you lead your family to him as Joshua was commanded? Not to stray to the left or to the right. And 
I don't mean to gladly skirt the brush crossing over the yellow section. These conversations become often at this point where inevitably a guy will say, well, I don't have a wife and kids, so you're kind of off the hook on this one, right? Wrong. I believe the, that words like family or flock or garden in Adam's case or tribe or people, those words are very interchangeable in this context, in this context. No matter who you are, no matter what your relationship status is, there are those around you within your sphere of influence that need your leadership. I recently read an article by Angela Rust. She is the wife of uh, Lieutenant Colonel Alan Rust, who's often on TV. In this article, Angela is recounting a story that she had read about a 28-year-old man named Zachary Lewis who lives in Baltimore. After the riots and the looting that occurred recently after the whole Freddie Gray incident, Zachary was interviewed as he was standing near a makeshift memorial and lamenting about where all the Asian men had gone. You can picture Zachary standing there in his devastation, just looking at his poor old neighbors and his workers. that what was going on wasn't anything about being a man. It was a bunch of overage youngsters running wild. In our society, we have far too many 20 and 30-something adolescents out there running around. We have too many guys out there trying to be Johnny Appleseed and planting seeds in every field that they go along. We, we need more farmer Browns who lovingly and carefully take care of sheep. Isaiah 3.12 talks about how the youth are running wild and the women have taken over. Isn't that kind of like a sad judgment? And then he says, how those who were to lead have led them off the path. It's amazing that even back in the time of Isaiah, some 750 years before Christ, that when the men wouldn't lead, the world went crazy. It's a book about um, the story of a group of privileged schoolgirls who are on this trip somewhere, and, and their airplane crashes on a deserted island, and all of the adults die, and they're just left with these two boys. They try to form their own society, and it quickly breaks down into tragedy and, and chaos. And then it turns into this awful process of tragic failure. And you know, I can stand here and I can quote statistic after how fatherlessness and, and men disappearing has devastated our society. But I really don't think I need to convince anybody at that point. All we have to do is watch the news or look out our own windows and see what's going on. Too many men have failed to lead in a society that's in absolute mess. Jesus 
Ezekiel 22.30 talks about how God was looking for a man to build up the wall of protection and stand in the gap of the land so that he wouldn't have to destroy it. He couldn't find it. Today, God is still seeking this. God is still looking for men who will stand up for him, who will lead those around themselves to God, who will help stand in the gap, to be the hands and feet us to our second point. You must work and keep your garden. Now you ask, what is your garden? Just like Ashley, just like Joshua, just everywhere that we see. Your sphere of influence is your garden. Where do you work? Your home, your church, your neighborhood, Walmart, everywhere. Where you go, that's your garden. We all have those around us who desperately need our wisdom, our experience, and our guidance in our lives, especially spiritually. Those you lead don't have to share any DNA with you to be family. When Jesus told us to care for the widows and the orphans, I believe he was far more concerned for their spiritual needs than his food and water, while those too are family. Adam was told to keep and protect his garden. Eden was perfect. God knew that Satan could still influence humans to make bad choices. Evil is found everywhere. And we are to protect our garden just like Adam was commanded to protect his. We need to protect our garden from wrong influences. We need to protect our garden from evil teachings. And we need to uphold a moral standard. This is why God tells us to be strong and courageous. Because my brothers, I'm telling you, this is not an easy task. Everyone has a sphere of influence and be careful because it works both ways. But as far as men go, I believe every man should have three layers of men in his life. You need to have the older guys around you to lead, to guide, to teach, to encourage, to bring you along. You need to have the guy beside, by your side who's kind of on that same place you're at to share that journey with you so that you're not going alone. And then ultimately, every guy needs to have that younger guy around him for you to be the older guy. Keep in mind that the terms older and younger have much more to do with spiritual maturity than the number of birthdays that you've had. This is all about spiritual maturity and experience. Get it. Have it, share it. And this leads us to our third point. You can't do this alone. You were never intended to. There's absolutely nothing about Christianity that's a solo event outside of our one-on-one time with God. All of life is designed to be lived and shared together. Think of why we're all right here in this room right now. Jesus always sent his disciples out in pairs. Paul always had Silas or Timothy or Luke. He never traveled alone. Paul wrote extensively about the body being made up of many parts, none of which are disposable. The whole point of God and faith and Christian life is for it to be lived out in unity 
jealousy. Preacher and author James Dodd put it very bluntly, and he put it like this. God has made no provision for you to live a Christian life on your own. You're not strong enough. You're not committed enough. You're not dedicated enough. Jesus Christ is the Christian life. And Christ in you hopes for you. Think about that. The good news is that you don't have to do any of this alone. We stand in church recognizing a need for living out our faith in fellowship. And, and we've set up these connect groups to meet those needs. There are families all around the area who have opened up their homes to meet, to fellowship, to dig deeper into God's Word, to build stronger families, to build a stronger church family. If you're interested in those on your little tear-off card, mark the connect group. Someone will get in contact with you and, and share that information. You can check with somebody in, in the lobby afterwards. They're all over the place. It's just some wonderful feedback. There's even a connect group dedicated to men. Every Monday night, every week, at 6.30, we meet downstairs. And we capture so much of what we talked about here today. We dig in and learn more about that special call God has on men. The greater truth that is that what I've covered today is not even the tip of the iceberg. I couldn't possibly lay out the entire thing in two months' worth of sermons. The subject is far too big and broad to be covered in a venue like this. But the deeper that we dig into it, the more compelling the argument becomes that God has called men for a special purpose. And the fact is that we will all be held accountable to God for how well or how poorly we led those around us. Seven seventeen, which says, as iron sharpens iron, so one man sharpens another. If you're thinking that the church membership is all paperwork and saves me now, I'll probably sit around in my pajamas and sing Kumbaya. No, if you think about iron sharpening iron, it's sparks, it's real, it's tough. It is some really great conversation. someone do something you will be judged here in a moment Pastor Steve is, is going to lead us in a prayer as you take communion today I want you to take some time to recall the things that I've said here remember the three points being a man has a purpose you must work and keep your guard up can't do this alone. Think about how Jesus stood in the gap of sin for us by the breaking of his body and the shedding of his blood. Then recall how we are to be Jesus' people standing in the gap and leading others to him. Finally, as Paul left this as his final charge in Corinthians 16, man, I'm going to leave this to you today. Be watchful. Stand firm in the faith. Act like men. Be strong. 